is Taylor, and we're here to talk about the haunting of Bly Manor on All Access. Hi, I'm Andy Grush, uh, another Newton brother, and um, yeah, we're here with, uh, with All Access to talk about Bly Manor and uh, meaning of life and whatever else comes up. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Uh, it's such an honor to have you guys on uh, to talk. And uh, I wanted, uh, I was gonna reach out to you guys earlier, but I wanted to finish Bly Manor first so we can really talk in detail about it. So, Thanks for <laughs> but, yeah, of course. So before we jump to Bly Manor, um, let's kind of rewind back. And, and I know we did an interview a few years ago, but you know, maybe to refresh some people who may make or finding your music for the first time. Uh, Talk about your guys' kind of early influences when you were growing up. What kind of triggered this uh, path into uh, music and what made you guys want to be composers? Um, I mean, I think for me, I, you know, I started with piano when I was very young. I started playing the Suzuki method uh, <laughs> piano lessons, which uh, I loved at first, but uh, eventually I sort of fell in, you know, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, as I started like seeing films and experiencing more music, I kind of fell more and more deeply in love with, you know, the idea of writing music, playing music, listening to music uh, within the context of, you know, uh, media, film and TV um, specifically. Uh, and, uh, and that just kind of, that kind of just, drove me constantly and and i think that uh i think that technology sort of doing what it's done in my lifetime has sort of added to that and given me the ability to you know you know the first time my someone told me i could get some software that would allow me to record myself as many times as i wanted to uh it just kind of blows your mind and opens the uh opens the possibilities. So that's sort of, that's sort of the beginning of the path for me. <laughs> and Taylor, <laughs> how about you? Uh, my whole family was, was involved in music and um, my mom uh, was singing opera. My dad was in bands and, and uh, even my grandfather played in the symphony. And uh, so it was always around and, and um, I always, I grew up, you know, on, on the Beatles and also going to see films like E.T. and, and um, and I just I think when I around the time I think it was E.T. or Jaws I just got really really kind of sucked in into what film music does to you and I with the imagery and the pictures and I and I just kind of became super fascinated by it and um, and that kind of led me through being in different bands and starting groups and then begging college kids when I was sixteen to score their their short films and they'd be like what have you done. And I would be like, I've done nothing, but I have this great idea. <laughs> um, and uh, that kind of led me the, to the path of, uh, I ended up working for uh, different producers and then, you know, assisting for other people. And it, and it kind of brought me to this point. And uh, where, where are you guys originally for, from? And when did you guys come to LA? Were you guys from here? Or? I'm, I'm born and raised in LA. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm actually from Orange County originally. I was born primarily and raised in, in Costa Mesa. Oh, okay. So you guys didn't have to like relocate and remove, like move your lives over here. Kind of just grew up within the community, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Not, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I worked out, worked out great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when did you two guys meet? And uh, 
kind of started, uh, you know, maybe this might work as a partnership. I was working for Hans Zimmer at the time, actually. Uh, it was like right around 2005, uh, we decided to start working on stuff together. I, I, uh, we met through a mutual friend in 2001 when I moved to LA, actually. And I had a bit of a big fan of Andy's because he did a movie called Mothman Prophecies that I loved. He was one of the yeah. writers on it. And it was just, it was super, super dark and bleak and I loved it. And, um, and so we just became really good friends and started like writing on each other's stuff. And then right around the time I left working at Remote Control, uh, I, uh, we started writing on just indie movies. And then that was kind of the beginning of that sort of culmination. Yeah, absolutely. Andy, did, was there like a connection when you guys first met that you knew that this could be something as a creative partnership? Yeah, we just we just got along really well. And I don't think, you know, I don't think we were ever thinking too far ahead in the future early on. It was just like we'd get together and uh, Taylor had Taylor had recorded a, a really great album, actually. And uh invited me over to his house and we would listen through things and talk through things. And, you know, there's just a, uh, it's just a, it just kind of came together real nicely. You know, we have a lot yeah. in common and, and uh, yeah, it's just a weird, like it's weird with music. You just kind of like vibe with people and you just kind of run with it. And it's, it's like, weird that that it's weird that it's been this long. Like a marriage. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it has to be because you guys are, are we working together and it's the most, and it's an, it's an intimate uh, thing. You know, you guys are really working in the nitty gritty of the emotional kind of core of the film and everything. And, and you have to like the person you're going to be with all the, during the, during the trenches. Absolutely. Big time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for anybody who doesn't know, you, you guys are not blood brothers. You no. are not related. Um, but I think, Taylor, you were telling me one time that it was the your mutual love of Isaac Newton. Is that what came up with the Newton brothers? Yeah. At the time, at the time, we wanted kind of a name that didn't have our names associated. We were uh, working. We had day jobs. And, um, and we both loved Isaac Newton, just kind of the whole idea how math works into music. And that's kind mm. of where, where it derived from. Um, and, uh, and then we just, you know, the projects we did just kept growing and growing and it, it just stuck with us. And, and that's kind of where we are. Awesome. And so what, I mean, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but what, what is your kind of a working, uh, approach? And I'm sure it differs from film to film, but is there like a stock maybe approach that you have when you first are tackling a project? Do you guys sit down and go work separately or do you have continually working together on certain things or kind of what's the general kind of feeling that you guys do? we usually we usually kind of nerd out with each other kind of exhaustively at first like before we even write any music at all we have lengthy conversations uh we go through the material if there's a book we'll read the book if there's previous books we'll read those books if there's scripts we'll read the scripts um and then from that information and the story and any information we have from the director or producers we'll kind of go in to a sort of uh, research and development phase where we'll talk about instrument ideas and thematic ideas and what if we tried this and what if we did this and what what about this instrument and we just kind of don't have any rules we kind of just lean into opening up the doors to whatever um, and then after we've exhausted each other uh, infinitely um, with ideas and suggestions and 
blah, 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 we actually just kind of go away for a period mm -hmm. of time, depending on the, what the project allows. Taylor and I will just sort of not talk to, I mean, we'll talk to each other, but not really about what we're working on. And then we'll bring our ideas together. And then from there, we start to sort of suss out like, oh, hey, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. That's cool. That's working. Um, and sometimes Taylor will take files I've worked on and adjust them, change them, rearrange them. Sometimes he'll record his own sort of ideas on top of them. Or it's, it's just sort of it becomes very fluid then because at that point, um after we've sort of gotten each other involved then it's just sort of on the journey to getting it played for the director so that um he or she can you know give us notes or sort of guide us further and that's sort of the, how the process begins almost every time regardless of the scope of the, the project whether it's a huge project or the smallest of projects we kind of tackle it that way each time is that right taylor yeah, that's right. I think on a technical aspect, though, we we also have we have everything that's synced up the same, so that way we can go back and forth with uh, on you know on the software level, on the on the suites level, um, and uh, we have all the themes, we have all the pieces, so it's real easy to kind of manage. So uh, I'm sure you both have different. You know, if you're thinking like t pretend like you aren't working together, if you are present it with a script or on a project or something and before you guys talk what's kind of maybe your first inkling of inspiration do you like to reflect on the script do you you've mentioned reading the books do you like the conversation with the director first what, where does the first note come from for each of you what is kind of really sparks that initial idea out of you um i think it's you know it, it is project by project and and actually time plays a lot into that like dr sleep we had i feel like 10 or 11 months um, you know, and, and, and on extinction, we had three weeks. So it just depends on, you know, the, the time factor. Um, but if, if given time and brought on early, um, you know, we, we often, uh, you know, we, if there are books to read, we go through them and usually very, very quickly, we start talking to the creative about like, Hey, what's, what's the direction you want to go? And like on Dr. Sleep, Mike was, you know, he knew he wanted the score not to be melodically driven. He knew certain things that he wanted out of us. So that obviously sparked a lot of uh, creative ideas in just us. And then um, we do as we always do. We separate. And I had this really crazy idea for this like giant hurdy-gurdy. And, um, you know, and, and, um, and I also had some melody that I wanted to try to bring forward, even if, you know, it was going to be turned down. I actually assumed it was going to be thrown away, but you know, it's like, you have to try these things. And I think that that initial conversation um, with, with the creative, like with Mike in that case, and then obviously having going already diving into reading, you know, the shining and Dr. Sleep, it just gives you all these different sort of ideas in your head at night. At least, you know, I can't, like I can't stop thinking about it. It gets like yeah. excite it's excitement and sort of this <laughs> fear, fear too. Yeah, <laughs> getting ready for it. It's it's this weird sort of uh, balance of those two things that come in and and I think that 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 sort of inspiration. It just I don't know. Stuff just starts coming out and coming out. We write all these sweets and um, and that's usually how it starts. And then and then we sort of start to filter between ourselves. Obviously, as Andy said, uh, but that's that's kind of the beginning. And so you guys mentioned that it is like a marriage and I'm sure, of course, all marriages might have some fights. Uh, <laughs> how do you handle disagreements? How do you handle if somebody says, 
I really want to go in this direction. And somebody might go, well, I think this is the proper way. How do you compromise? And uh, what's kind of, do you guys have fights or maybe you guys are just get along the entire time? I mean, we don't really have fights. Like we'll, we'll disagree on things, but usually our disagreements will, we'll have conversations about them. Mm -hmm. And one of us will present like, well, this is why I think this. And the other one, well, this is why I think that that's not correct. And then at the end of the day, like sometimes we'll make decisions based on what the other per person thinks. And then other times we'll just say like, you know, neither of us really have an ego. So we try to mm -hmm. check that at the door every day. And then just like at a certain point, it's like, well, the director is going to decide. So let's present it to the director and see what he or she says about what, you know, and, and when you're, what's when you're working. Doing when you're doing with multiple uh, versions and multiple ideas, especially early on, um, you know, having, having decided on something you want to bring forward and having a few of those strong pieces, it's really helpful because what I might think is safe and what he might think is safe is very, can be very different. It's nice to have something pushed to the edge. And then all of a sudden, you know, the director is like, Oh, I really like that. I wasn't thinking that, but, but, uh, and it helps having those ideas and it's always that kind of, collaboration to build off each other Absolutely. yeah and we'll rarely we'll rarely rely on just one piece of music to to sort of present so because i mean no one really knows because there's a weird thing that happens when once the music might work beautifully in your head and then when you see it to the visuals it just something doesn't work for some reason mm -hmm. and then that's different for each person obviously too so we're, we're pretty aware of that. So we try to sort of present several options that we like and support so that we're not just sort of throwing bad ideas, uh, you know, at the canvas, but we'll present the ideas that we think are the strongest. And then from there, that's usually the beginning of sort of the dialogue. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, you work with Mike for uh, across a number of films now, but, uh, and, and composing duos are not a, you know, uh, a, rare, a rare thing. I there's a few composing duos out there and, and, and groups and stuff, but I'm sure most directors, when you're working with them for the first time, maybe they're only used to working with one composer, you know, and so how do you, I guess, establish a relationship with a new director for the first time? And you have to kind of establish like a communication workflow when it comes to communicating with both of you. And how does that kind of uh, work out near the beginning? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. Um, and we're both very, I would say, because I've worked with a lot of other composers, we're, we're both very hands-on, I would say, more so than most. Like, a lot of times when composers are done and they deliver to the dub stage, they're uh -huh. never at the dub stage. We're, one of us are always there, mm. um, just to kind of make sure it works. And uh, early on, we, you know, we always spot everything together. We're always in the room together for the most part, unless there's an occasion where something needs to be done. Um, but... What's great is that there usually be a point person for a project um, as every project comes. Like for instance, on let's say Dr. Sleep, Andy may be the one who's like handling all the major emails uh, mm. and I may chime in and I may respond now and then, uh, but he's leading sort of the always response. And the same thing, um, you know, if it's a different project and I'm that person and it helps having that balance. And also too, with two people like, you know, we get emails from directors at like two in the morning being like, I really hate the oboe in this queue, you know, and we're like, no problem, you know, and just change, you know, so yeah, yeah. Cool have, 
it's great to have that sort of um, sort of dialogue. And I feel like the director always, especially in projects you work closely, they they always you know want to be hands on with hey. I like this. I don't like this. And we were changing things, you know, on the fly on Dr. S uh, Dr. Sleep sometimes. And we've done that on Haunting Bly Manor. Uh, they decided to change this entire, uh, sorry, Hill House, this entire section. So Andy opened the laptop. I went to the studio and we wrote a new piece of music in like, you know, a couple hours because it's just, that's what needed to be done. So it's nice to have that sort of, that sort of workflow that I have found versus if you're just by yourself. So I feel like we get the both the best of both worlds because we have these new ideas um, that we can present and sometimes in a feeling that's almost more of an in, as an individual, but yet we have that collaboration aspect. So it, it's great. Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, and it, it just must feel good to be able to lean on somebody during like, like the crazy, <laughs> during the crazy stuff, during the crazy deadlines and everything, just to go through it with a friend and be like, Oh yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you mean, yeah, you mean the, the cry of tears? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, we've definitely you know been there for each other when it's you know there's 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 days where you're like, this is day number three, no sleep, you know. So yeah, yeah, it gets it, it gets rough sometimes. Like just the just the camaraderie of having each other sometimes is just like a you know a massive benefit to just like oh my gosh, like you didn't sleep last night either. Like, is this it? Like. <laughs> What's what's happening today? <laughs> it's it's good. It's helpful. Uh, I want to I want to go back to talking about uh, Mike Flanagan. Uh, of course, I do have to give a shout out to to Mike. Uh, I mean, of course, the same same alma mater. Uh, we both went to Towson University. He's about nine years older than me, so we didn't share a campus at any given time. And I've never met Mike, but it's just really cool that a, a great auteur director found two auteur composers in her built this relationship so i really think it's awesome <laughs> he would love that no he totally appreciates that kind of stuff so he would be very yeah he'll love this yeah it's just the fact that you know small maryland uh small maryland uh, film school you know no no, no but house and university is usually not on the map for anybody but it, that's where i got my degree and so did mike so that's cool <laughs> <laughs> awesome. um, but so yeah talk about me uh meeting mike because i think the first uh first project you guys worked on was oculus was that is that correct yes yeah. So yep. how did you, because I think he was make he made a, a short or a feature film before that kind of like through f uh, crowdfunding and stuff, but how, how did you guys get involved with Oculus? Because that was based on a short, I think he did, or a, ser a mini series, little web series or something. A short, you're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 We, we were brought in, um, we were brought in sort of through an interview process actually with, mm -hmm. um, uh, for Oculus. Uh, and we sat down with, with uh, Mike and uh, one of his producers, Trevor Macy, and um, and and uh, their their other producer, Nancy, uh, and that was the first time we had met uh, we had met any of them actually. Um, and we just, I think Mike showed us some of the film actually. He did um, several parts of the film, and it was uh, very disturbing. Middle of the day, still very disturbing, and. Um, we had a great conversation about it and, and that, that, that was it. We kind of jumped into Oculus and it was great because when we jumped into Oculus, you know, we were able to sort of a, approach things um, both melodically and from the standpoint of, you know, incorporating some, I don't know, dread is the wrong word, but just uh, sort of a, a menacing, a, a subtle menacing characteristic as well. 
Yeah, like a brooding um, kind of a building brooding type. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was it was just such a such a pleasure and a joy to to work with Mike on that because he had such a, a great vision and knew what he wanted and was open to new ideas and enjoyed sort of the process of, you know, discovering, you know, the sort of sonic soundscape that, you know, we were all sort of you know searching out and, and coming up with so it, it was it was it was a lot of fun it was uh, yeah I don't, I'm not articulating that very well Taylor do you want to add anything <laughs> no no yeah he showed us footage and and um you know we we fell in love with it I think initially he was really wanting a a very sound based score very atonal and um you know we were <laughs> we were able to squeeze in some melody that was uh they weren't expecting towards the very end of the film. And, uh, you know, we had to try it and we, it was a little scary because on a new relationship, there's always that fear of getting fired considering we were actually not the first composer. We were the second composer. They had let go of the first composer. Uh, so that didn't work out. And so, you know, we, we didn't have, we didn't know them well enough to, to feel like, hey, let's just, you know, try this. But we did and it worked out great. And, and I think they appreciated the, the gesture, but um, it, it's interesting because they have a very similar sensibility that we have and they like a lot of the same music. I mean, we were talking about this the other day, Mike has a lot of the same vinyl that we have and he likes a lot of the same music he grew up on, you know, Cocoon and like all these classics. And, and, um, and so it's, it was, uh, you know, it was, a, we didn't know at the time, but it was just a really good match. Yeah. So did you guys have any inkling that you're going to get a phone call for, for the second date, technically, or, or do you think it was like, oh, that was nice. I hope he calls back. Or did you have a feeling that you guys, oh, maybe we'll work with him again someday? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, we, you, you know, we, uh, you always hope, you know, you, you, I mean, I feel like you do your best work. You try your hardest with every director. You want to build that relationship, but you don't ever know. And for some, for some people, they express it in different ways. And, um, you know, I think Mike, Mike expressed it, I think, more at the end. He was really appreciative of, of the job that was done. Um, but, you know, when a director's in the middle of it, he's incredibly, or they're incredibly busy with, you know, the post and the sound, and then there's the politics of the studio and whatever yeah. else they have to deal with in their personal life. So, um, you know, we, we always want to make sure they're happy. That's for the end of the day. You know, it's a key, like, are they the happiest they can be? You know, that's the goal. We want to kind of, uh, exceed expectations for every project and and it seemed to be that way and of course when they invite you back for another project you're like oh I guess it didn't it didn't go so so badly you know what I mean right and I mean moving forward you guys have worked on after Oculus every single one of his productions I think right every single thing that he's done so it's been such a, an amazing ride how has that um, relationship change from the from Oculus down to now with uh, Bly Manor I'm sure there's more shorthand more trust but have, did you feel it kind of shifting as it uh, was progressing or did you not weren't paying attention to it? I don't think we were really paying attention to it, but, but we've, I mean, we've definitely established a bit of a, it's, it's really nice because especially on creative things, you know, Mike knows he can just tell us straight up like what he's feeling like, love this, hate this, you know, flush this down the toilet, like, you know, dress this up and send it off into the sunset. You know, it, it, it's, we don't need to, we don't need to spend too much time sort of 
navigating discussions around what's working and what's not. Um, and that's, that's been, that's been really nice. And as you know, as we've worked on more and more projects, that sort of shorthand, we kind of know things that he enjoys more than others, but we don't put the things that have not worked in a box that is like locked away because those things may work at another time. Like when we did Hush, Hush was a very different score than Before I Wake or Oculus. And it was important for us to not sort of, you know, throw out things that weren't working for those two films because they were very different. Just as, you know, even Bly, Bly Manor and Hill House are obviously related, mm -hmm. but they're different. So some of the things that weren't working for Hill House did actually work for Bly Manor. So, you know, it's kind of up to us to just go for it. And then we trust that Mike will just tell us, you know, nope, yep, nope, yep, you know, and it's great because we kind of know when he says nope and yep, we kind of know what's, you know, okay, we're going this way now, you know, yeah. or, you know, and that's, it's, I, it's nice. I think too early on, you know, uh, we, we had that professionalism going with, with Mike and, and Trevor. And after years of working with them, you know, my consider Mike a, a good friend, you know, uh, he, we've talked about things that have nothing to do with music and, mm -hmm. and things that are just more personal. And he's just always been someone, uh, I consider, you know, I can tell things to and that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, when you, when you're beginning on a new project, that's kind of the last thing you want to do. You know, you want to be like telling someone about, you know, let's talk about me and all my, you know, you, you kind of want to keep that, keep it professional. And, and so it's obviously that element has come in, um, yeah. into it. And it, it also, you know, from, from the moment we saw Oculus, um, and actually, I, I actually, we watched Absentia and that was his first film. Right. It was like, I was blown. My mind was blown that he shot that for like, I think it was $60,000. If I'm not yeah, something like that. And they, in his apartment in Glendale or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this guy is, is like amazingly talented because Andy and I always love working with guys that, you know, uh, are passionate. It's not just a paycheck for them. It's like, it's a mm. passion because we have done projects for free, things that have cost us money to do projects. And, and you know, you, you do something that you love and the money comes later. And so we, we just uh, really loved what he had shot. And then we saw Oculus and we're like, oh my gosh. And then we're sitting in the studio and he comes in and he's like, hey guys, this is great. You know, maybe we could go to that A minor with the third inversion. And like, we're like, whoa. <laughs> You know, we didn't expect this guy. So he, next thing you know, he's like, he's, he's a musician too. He's, you know, and he has, he gets on the piano and he just rips it out. And I was, my mind was just like blown and I was super impressed. And so the guy is definitely, uh, yeah, he's, he's ridiculously talented. Yeah. It's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but Andy, you mentioned, um, uh, before I wake and I thought that was an interesting uh, score because Danny Elfman was involved in that too. And based on those credits, I'm pretty sure you guys didn't work together. Well, what happened? Was it, was it, if you're okay talking about it, did he come in to, to fill stuff in at the end? Uh, was that uh, just, oh, he's doing his stuff, we finished this and you guys were able to keep the score in or what, what happened there? No, it was, uh, it, it was, it was pretty cool. We, we, 
from the beginning we sort of all met together um, oh really so it was a, a the beginning it was planned that way yeah, yeah it was, it was oh, planned okay. that way yeah and um i mean the first day we went over to danny's studio to play cues i was so nervous i mean i was probably the most <laughs> nervous i've been musically in my career just you know i mean I've had some other moments too, but that one was like, oh, this this is what's happening because, you know, you're about to play something for someone you've, you know, admired and listened to for a long time. So that was pretty terrifying, but Danny's a great, a great composer and was, was just very kind in the process. And it was just, it, it all went very well. I mean, we weren't, we weren't sitting in a studio like jamming on guitars for the score, but it was, you know, we, we played, ideas for him we heard where he was going with things and then you know because there had to be sort of a melding of ideas and sound so that it was sort of cohesive all the way through so that made it that made it you know a very fun process did i leave anything out taylor is that sort of that was sort of the overall yeah he was very collaborative and i think uh, just to clarify kind of how he got involved i think uh you know early on before we, while we were on Oculus actually, Mike had already written Somnia and they had already planned to work with Danny before we were, I might have even been hired on Oculus. I don't, I don't know on that part. Um, Somnia is what it was called before it was called before I before went. I it was called Somnia, which is what we usually refer to it as. <laughs> yeah. <OG title. laughs> yeah. So, so uh, Mike just called us up and said, hey, you know, uh, would you be interested in working with Danny on this project? And we were like, of course, you know, and so I, I, you know, uh, was very excited about it. And, and then we wrote some themes and ideas and, and he wrote some stuff and some themes and we kind of just got together and we played stuff and he was super cool about it. And then we kind of went off and did our thing and he did his thing. And, um, and then, you know, Mike sort of steered the ship and, and, uh, and then next thing you know, we recorded and that was it. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, so, Working with Mike, you guys have, I mean, you've done so many great, so much great work in other genres and everything, but you really kind of had to focus on, uh, yeah, I'll call it horror, even though I, I wouldn't say that a lot of stuff that Mike does is like pure horror. Right. Um, but, but you guys have had to kind of, so I'm curious uh, how you both view the, this genre, the horror genre, and all the formulas and archetypes of that come with it. And how do you navigate to make sure that the music isn't cliched or it doesn't feel like a product sole, solely meant to follow you know, the editing for jump scares and stuff, because you guys, and what I love about your music is you see it somehow find uh, the characters quickly and it becomes this very emotional journey and you kind of forget that the, the suspenseful and the tension part of it is, is almost like a added bonus where it's like, okay, it's a character study. So I'm curious how you guys approach that being kind of working in this horror genre. No, that's a great question. Go ahead. Um, I mean, a lot of it is just the early stages of, of Taylor and I just sort of doing lots of homework and in addition to that homework just having sort of the knowledge that we all have you know everyone grows up watching films and tv and so everyone has sort of a knowledge of things they like and what they don't like and having the knowledge of even composers and films that we've liked in the past sort of give us the palette of like we know sort of things that have been done and and mm -hmm. And we're still learning every day. I still come across scores from composers that I didn't even think worked in the horror genre that are brilliant, you know? And I think that like that plays a big part of it. Um, 
you know, it's sort of, you know, like what they tell you in high school that you never believe, which is like, you really have to know history. So you don't like repeat it and blah, 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 like all that stuff (laughs) where in high school, you're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, when are we done? Like, but it's so true. Like, you know, knowing the history of films and TV and, and film music and regular music and classical music, like all everything, I think all of that stuff plays a part in what sort of our approach is um, and specific to your question and within, you know, the horror genre. Um, I mean, it's about telling the story and I think that's always what we try to latch onto and, and Mike champions that, I mean, you know, we really, you know, for the projects we work on with him, he champions that, I mean, projects we work on with other directors, they champion it as well, you know, and it's just, we usually, you know, try to come up with as much sort of thematic material as we can early on. Mm -hmm. And we try to steer that material toward sort of the subject matter that seems relevant as opposed to like what, what you might think it is, you know, you know, if, if, if you're going into a sci-fi film, you have expectations. So we're going to know that. So in, in part of our conversation, we'll talk about like, do we want to use no synthesizers at all, you know, so that it feels different or, you know, maybe not, but that's sort of, I know I'm not really answering the question, but it's more no, of you a are, process. Yeah. More, it's more of the process in coming up with sort of what the themes are. And I think sort of the exhaustive nature of it lends nicely to, you know, the first handful of ideas, there might be something there that works, mm-hmm. but it's going to be an iteration of that that ends up usually someplace in, in the project. Uh, not all the time. Sometimes there's a first pass that, that works magnificently, but other times those iterations are sort of what leads you to a place. And, and I think that, that come, you come up with something that's not what is initially expected. Is that kind of make sense oh no absolutely yeah that makes sense yeah I, I, oh. I was gonna say i think i think more specifically too to is is what when you're dealing with certain films and certain directors you're obviously you're 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 there's certain boundaries you can can and can't do mm-hmm. and like like andy was saying they're gonna ex- have certain expectations on you know we want it to sound like this we want it to be like this and depending on your relationship and how as you know how far you can push it and yeah. make you know to work in that realm it 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 uh, it definitely is informative on your score. You know, it's it's hard to do something melodic in a movie or theme driven in a movie that's subject to just pure dread, and they want only fear and crazy noises. It's difficult to you know. We try to like squeeze it in sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's always it's always challenging. It just depends on 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 that sort of ability or availability they're letting you work with. Absolutely, um, I, I, and I think a, a great example of how the horror genre kind of just gets blasted away and just the film becomes itself. I think Dr. Sleep is an amazing example of that. I uh, loved Dr. Sleep and I know I'm telling anyone who's listening or watching, go out and watch it because I know you didn't because nobody did and it bombed and it's so sad, (laughs) but it's, I think it's honestly one of your guys' best work and Mike's best work. And it's, it, it just, we watched the director's cut and, with my wife and she's notorious for not liking long movies, but she sat through that entire three hours and it was just like glued to the screen. And, and uh, that film was just such 
a perfect follow-up for Kubrick. It was also a perfect adaptation for uh, Stephen King, and it had Mike's voice in it, it had your voice in it. Uh, talk about approaching that film, and, and what were the, did you have any, uh, were you nervous following in those footsteps, especially with that amazing Carlos opening from the original, at, you know, you know, DSE Ray kind of adapted piece that is just like, kind of so notable and you guys had to take your crack at it too. So talk about all that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was terrifying at first. Um, <laughs> obviously, I mean, if you're not scared to, to do that, then something's, something's wrong with you and it might be okay that something's wrong with you, but like, that's, it's, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, we want to do a good job for Mike and for Trevor and we want to do a good job for the studio and we want to, you know, we want to make the Kubrick fans happy. I mean, at a certain point, you're not going to make everybody happy. You just have to, you know, and that's, that's where sort of our, our trust in Mike, which is, you know, never shy. Like we just trust him uh, to the end. So we just followed his sort of, lead in that and and we're we're really proud of of that film uh, on all levels and it was such a such a, a joy to work on it you know and that's a same process you know we have the same exhaustive r&d process at the beginning of that a lot of the r&d we already knew but you know we r&d'd it again and again so that we had all of our information as correct as it could be um and then at that point it was just dive in and just and just you know, go for it and listen to, listen to Mike and, and sort of follow the, the characters. I mean, everybody did such a great job on that. I mean, the sound design is great. The final mix is great. The acting, the just every, the directing, the cinematography is just all beautiful. And just set uh, design is just out of this world. I mean, bananas. Yeah. bananas. The the meticulous detail that went in that film is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually, we, uh, Mike had us come out uh, when they were filming at one point, and I think, I think it was the first day we got to sort of the place where they were filming. And one of the producers, Scott, they were busy shooting. And one of the producers, Scott, grabbed Taylor, and I was like, "Hey, you guys want to go see the Overlook?" And we're like, "Yes, <laughs> yes." So uh, you know, like it's just like it's yeah, everything was incredible on that. It was a real. We're very proud of it too, and you know, it's it's. Uh, it's just, it's a shame that not as many people saw it as we would have liked, but I think a lot more people, I'm just noticing that friends of mine are just now saying like, dude, I just watched Dr. Sleep. Like, wow. Like, you know, and it's, we're very proud of it. Yeah. The, the critics actually really, really loved it. Surprisingly yeah. enough. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it, the numbers are really high in that department. Um, so yeah, we're both really, 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 I mean, The Shining was one of my favorite films, yeah. you know, growing up and and I mean when Mike told us we were both just like you know we were super excited and of course the the fear and the <laughs> all that the darkness came in but um we were very excited and and just that whole entire we were so I feel like we were over prepared if you can be over prepared but we were like we had so much material ready to go we had written so much that uh we had just lying there ready to happen and um it just, the process was just so much fun with, you know, we got, we got to try just the most craziest things that we've done actually. And I think in any film um, and, uh, and record all these interesting things and then work with the orchestra. And we even got to do bizarre 
uh, recording positions with the orchestra and, and strange uh, orchestrations and, and things that just, you know, we had the time to do it and it was great. And, and it became a real just love, a passion, um, a, you know, a passion project, <laughs> sort of actually. <laughs> and uh, right, yeah. yeah, and I think it's funny too, because, any, you know, we were reading all the time while we were on it. We were, we'd run across these stories where it was like, is it gonna be like Kubrick? Is it gonna be like King? And it was like this back and forth and we were just like, oh man. And it was interestingly enough that the Kubrick estate and King both backed Mike's cut and supported him, thought it was great. And I, I literally was blown away by that. And it started with his script. His script, they loved his script so much and um, I mean, how do you make that happen that the studio loves yeah. it, King loves it, Kubrick's estate loves it, and then, you know, um, the actors were excited. I mean, we were talking to uh, Rebecca Ferguson, and who was just like the most down-to-earth girl ever. It was just like she was just strolling in, <laughs> and she was so awesome and excited, and it was just like everybody was just felt sort of this uh you know they were doing something special i you know what i mean and it it really was fun so i i yeah i i have nothing but fond amazing memories of that yeah i mean we especially had, when you we sorry we had moments sorry i mean right i was just oh, no we had moments many moments during the process where we might have stayed up all night i mean that happened a lot uh we didn't know if ideas were working we were flying to some different locations to try some things with different uh musicians and you know we both just look at each other multiple times and just say like we're this is what we're doing we're working on this project this is we're, this is awesome you know it's like so much fun when you pull yourself out of all the fear and and not fear but like you know there's a certain anxiety that i think yeah. is is helpful you know i think that even pro athletes you know and you know when they're you're trying to win the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup, the NBA Finals. Like you're, you should be nervous. I think it's good. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. Oh no, no. I was only going to say that. I mean, just the fact that that Elle was able to come together, knowing the history of how Stephen King didn't like Kubrick's version, and the fact that it satisfied everybody, but still felt like a Mike Flanagan film, and felt like your guys' voices in there, and and it was just so meticulously well done. I was just like, wow, this movie has so much detail. It's just like every little thing here. I'm looking at like the walls in the back and just the way the camera is set up and shots and everything is just fantastic. It, you know, thank you. There, there was, well, that's to Mike, but there was also something being like a bit of a music nerd. We were able to see sort of and hear all the things that, that Rachel and Wendy, they mm. put forward that didn't make it into the movie. There's this whole oh, wow. entire- yeah. You know, there's a whole thing that happened with that film. And we kind of got to see where it went and what was written and what was used. And, you know, there were there were pieces of music that were just needle drops of Ligeti and Bartok that were just like on top of each other, like just together in a piece that you were just like, wait, what am I hearing? <laughs> and it was just one of those things where it was just, uh, as a fan of music, you were just this is this is a, this is incredible. This is amazing that that's how this went, that it was built upon or edited upon in this way, and uh, it was fun to be able to like talk to Mike about like, hey, we're gonna pull a little bit of inspiration from here or here, or this is gonna be new. 
it was so exciting working with something and seeing the sort of the origins of where it started from and 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 you know even the opening of the shining you know a lot of people don't know the history of that piece you know, so oh yeah that's uh, symphony fantastique yeah just the um dsra which is of course like an easter egg now for composers you'll see, i'll hear it i was watching I, I bought that friday the 13th box set that shot factory just did which oh, is cool. a fan, oh, yeah. fantastic box set but oh nice and, and I'm, I'm i'm powering through and i forgot that uh i think in the fourth was the fourth one and it was just that DSC array just was the theme for the entire score. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just like, dun, 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 dun. I was just like, okay. So good. So good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but moving, uh, yeah, so moving on from Dr. Slate, let's focus on, uh, of course, Hill House and Blind Manor, which are uh, anthology series. Uh, they're, of course, I think the connecting through line, of course, your music being a big part of that. Um, so talk about, I guess, compare and contrast between the two series. The first one uh, was it's more of like a more of a gothic horror, uh, but it was so heartfelt and and I love the story. I love the characters and of course, especially that of course that you know iconic now episode was it six the the long take one that was al almost scoreless. Um, yeah. But then then you have Bly Manor, which is this has a little bit more warmth to it. Is a little bit more. I mean, it's a love story and it, it ends in this beautiful kind of fashion and just talk about really kind of racking your brains between these two worlds and kind of creating a through line between both of them. Taylor, you want to dive in? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I think, you know, er, well, first, first Mike shot, obviously all of the episodes of, of Hill House. Yeah. And that was written, directed, like he yeah, managed written, all of that. Edited, directed. He was involved in the music. I mean, he was involved like, like all over the place. Um, I, I, Andy and I joked that like, cause Andy went to see him on the set and, uh, <laughs> he was really sick at the time. And I was like, is he okay? I'm like this thing. I don't want this thing to kill, you know, he can't die. You know, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it was just, a, it took a lot out of him. Um, and, uh, for season two, he, he was more, you know, he was producing and, and, you know, going through everything. And, but he had directors that he, he brought on that he, that he liked and admired. And, um, so, uh, we were talking him and, and, and kind of getting on the phone early on and for season two, but we had obviously all of season one of that content. And we talked about the themes that he wanted to bring back and sort of the motifs and, and how, you know, we were going to expand on them. And then of course there was the Willow O'Whaley, which was a piece that was from the innocence, the 1963 film, I believe it is. Hmm. and how that was going to be incorporated into into Bly Manor. And so we were going to do different arrangements of it and different, um, different you know, uh, pieces of it. And the interesting thing was that season one was, you know, obviously more about the family. And we kind of played these themes for these characters and the family and, and how, how it affected them and, and being, being a part of this and growing up with that. And for season two, for this, it's, it's really, you know, as you said, it's a love story, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so we wanted to sort of, rather than play in your traditional, like, hey, this is the theme for this character, this is the theme for that character. We wanted to play more like, this is the connected tissue of love for these characters. And it sort of echoes into these other characters. And it may be, it's not, it's not um, this is not a healthy love, this is a good love. And, and we did sort of things in it to, to hint and suggest certain um, 
certain relationships between the characters rather than be like, hey, this is the theme for this character, which we really only did uh, for Lady of the Lake. That's really the only character mm -hmm. we did that for. So, um, you know, Mike, Mike listened to all the music and we were very collaborative in the interaction of, of how the new pieces were gonna play. We, we wrote this new piece that was very much, I would say, this sort of cheery waltz and, um, and you know, Mike gravitated towards that for certain things, and then we brought back in the the certain other elements, and we expanded on them, which is fun because I feel like this story allowed a little bit on the music side of thing for a richer harmonic content that we could do a little bit more yeah. with the music because we had certain spaces or it just worked, and um, and so we didn't have to hit people over the head with so much, but it still allowed us to expand a bit, which was which was great. And I think that was kind of the, the main difference going from season one to season two was the use and the way we, we kind of applied the music and, and, and uh, that was, yeah. Was that? I just, I just love that. It's also based on you know, loosely, loosely based on turn of the screw, which was a, a novel novella that I kind of grew up reading uh, Henry James's work and stuff. So it was just interesting to see not a direct adaptation, but just kind of an inspiration of, of taking elements and building, Mike Flanagan type things around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I, what I really love about both Hill House and uh, uh, Blind Manor, of course, is that central theme that you guys have. And talk about what was, especially when you're working with two uh, anthology series with kind of a big ensemble cast, and when you have to kind of boil it down to just like a central piece of music, how do, how does that process work? And where what what are you looking for to hit with that piece of music? What are you trying to capture with it? I I think that I think that the music is I mean it's hard to it's hard to say because it's it's not a specific thing that it's mm. trying to hit it's not even trying to hit an emotion or a specific character or a storyline but it's almost like uh and I I'm not demeaning music because of this but it's almost mm. like punctuation like in a sentence, right? Like yeah. you put an exclamation point at the end of a sentence and it changes what that sentence is. And like a period in a sentence is what we're used to, like blah, 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 period, right? But like with the music, we're trying to have that period, like at the end of the sentence, uh, sort of give you a, like a, a feeling, like, and have that feeling be sort of, a, you know, a statement that, allows you each individual person to sort of experience what that story is to to them individually because it's it's different to all i mean even the three of us here right now like each of those stories we can talk about each of the stories and how they affected us and it's probably similar for the most part but we probably all have unique experiences that trigger how we feel for each of those and so I think a lot of it and, you know, Mike was very specific in season one about being neutral with themes, you know, mm. not being, you know, we don't need any grandiose sweeping sort of things happening, um, but sort of an understated, like neutral feeling that sort of takes you by the hand and like walks you through the scenes so that you're almost, the music is almost like, hopefully encouraging you to like go along with the story and let you experience what you're experiencing without sort of, you know, p 
pushing the buttons like, okay, now you're going to cry and now you're going to be scared, you know? And that's, that, that was actually the biggest challenge for us. Um, constantly is, is sort of finding that neutral ground without just being like too, you know, blah about it. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a tricky, and I, I can't even articulate it because there's not like a, there's not like a thing we're trying to do, right? Like it'd be easy if we were like, oh yeah, well, you know, Mike really wanted everyone to cry in this scene. <laughs> Never, like not at all. Like, uh, so that's the hard thing. It's like, cool. Like what's happening in the scene and how are, how are we responding? Okay, let's sort of play with that right now and not make it too much about like how I, Andy feel about what's happening with Danny right now or how Taylor is feeling about Hannah being at the bottom of the well, you know, like I think trying to sort of thread that line in the middle of all those things is the, is the trick. Yeah. And I, I found uh, what I love about your scores, of course, and the way you're talking, I took it as a person watching it is that you, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned like punctuation because I've noticed for most of all of your work with Mike is that it, it doesn't, it never, yeah, it's never manipulating the audience. It's never coming in and telling them how to feel because when I'm watching like, you know, another, you know, if it's another like a Blumhouse horror film or something where it's just really just like hammering you on the head and jump scares, which are all fun. They're fun films and stuff like that. Or it's, it, you know, where the music really just comes in and just, you know, it's like Hazer has a rhythm underneath it building tension. Whereas, you, yeah, it feels like I, I watch something and the music comes in gently to kind of just like, kind of just kind of massage those emotions and feelings and bring it out. And I really love that because I, yeah, it was, you're watching and you're not, I'm very usually picking up on music because of course I love it and everything, but I was like, Oh, oh and, and it was the theme coming in here. And I was like, Oh, here it is. Here's the music coming in. So it was, it was an interesting experience and the way you structured everything across the whole, uh, you know, nine episodes. So. <laughs> Absolutely. No, thank you. Yeah. I, I, I think it's really an aesthetic too. You know what I mean? It's just, it's the aesthetic of, of the vision that Mike, you know, is putting out there. And, and like, like you said, some of the Blumhouse movies are just, Maybe the music is super aggressive and over the top, but that's the aesthetic that they they love. Right. And it's not wrong. It's just that's what they love. And I think that um, you know, it's it's finding that neutral balance where where you you feel something, but we're not trying to tell you to feel happy or sad necessarily. You just kind of sort of respond, and it, it's sort of like almost like an echo. And it's interesting because we would see all these people ask us like, oh, I love the theme for Danny. And I would be like, oh, that's, that's not Danny's theme. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking that, but they, yeah. but they feel like it is. And, or I love the, the, the music that, you know, the lady of the lake, she has Viola. And I love that sweet, that's, you know, Viola's theme. And I'm like, I'm like, that's, that's not Viola's theme, but, but, you know, but it is, it is yeah. doing something to the emotion of that character. To, to make them almost decide and feel things that they relate to, which is kind of what the story does. I mean, we've all experienced amazing, amazing love. I mean, some of us have, and then other horrible love. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, you know what that feels like to have your heart broken. And, and, uh, and so I think when it becomes too, too saccharine or too much decided on it, it, it loses that a bit. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And when you're working on uh, like a like a limited series like this, which are of course connected thematically, but um, and you have you know a, an end point, and you have a, this is where it's going to end. There's not going to be a cliffhanger. We're not going to have a, a season two that follows that story. Uh, 
are you looking, are you kind of creating, are you structuring the entire score from start to finish or are you just kind of working at, like, I'm, I'm curious how the production was, because you know, normal television, you're just, it's crazy schedule, you're doing kind of episode by episode, if yep. season two happens, great, you can start evolving it then, but since this is kind of like a, almost like a long film in a sense, are you treating it more like a long film, especially with Netflix when there's no commercials and it just kind of feeds right into the next episode, it almost doesn't feel like there's a, an end chapter to each episode sometimes. Yeah, hundred percent. We're we're treating it as you know a, a a long film. You know, not nine one hour films or you know one long one long film. But mm -hmm. we we definitely treat it in that way. And it's uh, I mean even 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 on the soundtrack, you can sort of tell as the two, we wanted to do the soundtrack in order for the most part. I think there's one thing that's out of order. Uh, uh, but but everything is is chronological. And for that reason, like even on the soundtrack, like it kind of expands as you go so that when you're towards the end of the soundtrack, it's, it's sort of purposefully more involved than it, you know, than it is at the beginning, similar to, you know, in, in following with the story and how things were progressing and evolving. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely yeah, it comes across that way. Um, cool. But but, and yeah, so congrats on Blind Manor. I thought, it, I mean, it was beautiful ending, everything. I mean, and just, it just feels like a companion piece, but also different to Hill House. I thought it just worked really well. So hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping that the plan is to keep going, right? Is it to have a season three? <laughs> you never, you never, you never know, you know, we don't ever, yeah, we don't, we don't get that information. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I've always, I mean, and again, uh, congratulations and more amazing work from you guys. And uh, and uh, thank you so much for chatting today. I've, I'm, you know, I've hit the end of my question list, but I'm going to sit here for hours digging into your stuff. But I know <laughs> you guys are, are busy, so. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, hopefully we get to do this again. Uh, fingers crossed another blot another haunting will come along <laughs> yeah, yeah. more mic work mic projects uh and uh yeah thanks again guys no thank you thanks for having us have a great weekend <laughs>